Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The gospel really is for everyone. It's for everyone. There's no class. There's no race. There's no, you know, financial position. You know, before the Lord, none of that matters. God loves people. And he's, he's reaching out to people. He wants all people to come to know him. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 16, verses 6 through 34, in a message titled, The Gospel is for Everyone. Now, here's Pastor Brian. What the emperors would do is they would send, usually, retired military people in to establish Roman administration and to bring Roman culture into this place. And they were retired military, so of course they would do other jobs. And so it's most likely that this prison guard is an ex-soldier. And thinking about him being an ex-Roman soldier or a retired Roman soldier, uh, he would have been a hard guy. Roman soldiers were tough. That's how they conquered the world. So he would have been a hard guy. Uh, He would have shared the same prejudices that were communicated here by the slave masters who were angry that their prophet was now lost because this girl got saved. And what did they say? They said, these Jews, they've come into our community and they're saying things that are uh, unlawful for Romans to engage in. So you see the prejudice there. He undoubtedly would have shared that. But you know, he was a cruel guy as well. And how do we know that? We know that because of the treatment of the disciples. So look at what it says here. It says, verse 22. So, you know, they've been brought before the magistrates. And then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes. This is Paul and Silas. And commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And listen to what it says. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, this is severe treatment for the crime. This is, this is punishment beyond the crime. So, you know, these guys aren't revolutionaries. They're not violent. They're not, you know, trying to cause any kind of a ruckus. They're just preachers. And yet they put them in the inner prison. Now that should have been sufficient. I mean, that was even too much. They just put them in a jail cell, but they put them in the inner prison. But then it says, but he fastened their feet in the stocks, something that was unnecessary, but it was done out of cruelty because putting people in the stocks was cruel. It was extremely, extremely painful situation. So we could say that about him as well, that he was cruel. And I would say just kind of looking at a general picture, he was a man who was empty. He was a man who was cynical. He was probably a man who was tired, just as it is so often, you know, you meet people who have lived a long, hard, rough life, and they're just, they're tired. And he was guilty. 
he was probably uh, weighed down by much of his past and the things that he had done, perhaps even things that he had done as a soldier. So, so that's him. But before we get to the climax of his story, let's look at Paul and Silas really quick. So think about it. Here are two men who are condemned for a good deed by wicked men. So these wicked men, these slave owners who are prostituting this girl, making a, a, a financial profit off of her, these, these are wicked guys. These are like just the, you know, the worst guys you can imagine. But it looks like they win because their accusations hold and Paul and Silas are condemned. They're put in jail. Now, remember, too, that they were on a mission for God. They're on a mission for God, and look where they end up. They end up in a prison. But remember, Paul is not unaware of the cost of proclaiming the gospel. Because on a previous occasion, we noted how he was stoned an attempt to kill him, and he was dragged outside the city. They thought he was dead. You know, he wasn't dead. But now here he is, and he's in prison. And yet, you know, today, of course, when we think of, well, we're going to go on a mission for God, beating in prison is not part of the itinerary. We're not thinking that that is going to happen. In these days, it did happen, and certainly it still does happen in certain parts of the world. But notice how they handle it. What happens with them? It says here that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So again, they knew what they were getting into. The rest of the chapter tells how after the fact, the magistrates who put them in jail, they send a message to release them. And Paul says, no, no, no. You tell the magistrates to come and they're going to release us because we are Roman citizens and they beat us openly, uncondemned. And so Paul is going to put them in a really difficult place because a Roman citizen had rights and his rights as a Roman citizen were violated and that could cost these guys their position. Uh, it could even land them in prison for what they had done. But, but here's the point. Why does Paul save this till after the fact? Why doesn't he say beforehand, hey, hold on, I'm a Roman citizen. You better watch out. Apparently, he doesn't say that. I mean, he might have, and nobody listened, but, but it, apparently he doesn't say it. But perhaps he didn't say it because he knew that the Philippians themselves, that they would undergo persecution, and he's kind of setting the standard for them. He's kind of showing them, you know, this is, this is part of it. And he's showing them that you can be courageous through it, and you can trust God through it. That might have been why he didn't speak up until afterwards. But all that to say, him and Silas, their response is not disappointment. It's not complaining. It's the opposite. They're praying and singing hymns to God in the prison. And suddenly there was a great earthquake 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, why was he gonna do that? Because if prisoners escaped under your watch, you were put to death. That was the rule. So as far as he knows, every, the, you know, the, the jail cells are all open. Everybody's gone. He's about to kill himself. But look what happens. It says that Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, think about the person that I just described to you, this Roman soldier, this jailer. What happens? He, he's a hardened guy, as I said, but all of a sudden, he's trembling and he's saying, what, what must I do to be saved? Now, you have to wonder, well, how did he even think of asking that question in the first place? Did he hear uh, somehow what Paul and Silas were about? Did he hear about the fact that they were preaching? You know, maybe he heard the story about them delivering this girl from demon possession and all that. However he knows about it, he, he does understand that this is what the issue is here. But the thing that I think is really interesting is the fact that he's trembling, which shows he is afraid. He is afraid, which is out of character for this person. He's afraid. What, is, what has impacted him? Well, of course, I think it was their witness in singing, but the earthquake certainly got his attention. And here's the point that I want us to see here. Lydia, she's ready. God opens her heart. She's kind of just taken by the hand, walked into the kingdom. The slave girl, she's got no hope. She can't do anything for herself. The Lord just delivers her from the demon instantly. This guy is so cynical and so hardened and so fearless. How are you going to get through to this guy? Well, God's got a way. He's going to send an earthquake and this is going to scare the heck out of the guy. And this is going to bring it to the place. Here's the point. God will use what it takes to get us to himself. He will use what it takes to get people's attention. And for some people, like Lydia, for example, things in her life have paved the way. Her heart is tender. She's open. She's soft. She hears the message. She's like, I want that. That's how some people come to faith. Other people, they don't even have that option because they're, they're under the control of the devil to the extent that they, they couldn't free themselves. They couldn't even come to the point of, of understanding that this is what needs to happen. And there are those cases where you see where God just steps in and he does something that is unexplainable humanly. He just delivers them from that. But then there are those who God has to rock their world. He has to shake up their lives in order to get their attention. And he will do whatever it takes. And that's what we see, I think, here with this man, that his pride and all of those things, his hardness, these are the things that would have 
caused him to never want to give the time of day. I don't need what oh, a savior, you know, I'm rough and, and I've, you know, been in battle and I've seen it all. And, you know, maybe like ex-military people today, or you don't even have to be ex-military, but you can develop that, that kind of attitude. But man, this earthquake just wakes him up. And again, this is the point that God, we see three different people, altogether businesswoman, uh, a totally enslaved fortune teller, and a hardened ex-military, but God has a plan to reach, and he does reach each one of them. And that just reminds us that the gospel really is for everyone. It's for everyone. There's no class. There's no race. There's no, you know, financial position. You know, before the Lord, none of that matters. God loves people. And he's, he's reaching out to people. He wants all people to come to know him. And listen, here's to me what is really fascinating. And I want to kind of wrap things up with this. But what's really fascinating is remember this businesswoman, this demonized fortune teller, and this hardened jailer, they are the first converts in Philippi, which means they are the first members of the church there. That's how the church started. It started with Lydia and then her family and this jailer. And as we read on here in the story, he asked the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. But this is the beginning of the Philippian church. It's this, it's this diverse group of people that this church starts with. And now listen, here's what I want us to get. This church will partner with Paul throughout the rest of his ministry. They will support him with prayer and they will give him financial assistance. And understandably, this guy saved their lives. And so they are forever indebted to him as their friend. And when you read uh, the epistle to the Philippians, you get the sense of this very close relationship that Paul has still, an ongoing relationship with the people. But that's the second thing. They will also provide, the, the, this, this group that begins this church here, they will also provide every successive generation of Christians instruction and education through the divinely inspired epistle they would receive from the Lord through Paul's pen. So think about this for a second. How many of you have ever read Philippians? You ever read the, Paul's letter to the Philippians? How many of you have ever been blessed by Philippians? I know I have numerous times. I mean, I, you know, Philippians 4, 6 is that passage that says, be anxious for nothing or don't be worried about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, that's a great passage. 1, 6, he that has begun a good work in you, he's gonna complete it until the day of Jesus Christ and many other passages. But think about it. 
that letter was written to those people, and that letter has come down for 2,000 years now to bring instruction and edification to the people of God. And here's the point. How amazing. God takes a businesswoman, a a demon-possessed fortune teller, and a hardened soldier. He saves them, and then he does something that is going to impact the world for the rest of history. How in the world is that? I mean, that, but that's the stuff that God does. And that's what I want us to see because, listen, many men and women all around us are potentially just like these men and women. They are people who need Christ. And just like Paul and Silas did, and just like they would undoubtedly go on to do, they need to be told. We need to tell people about the Lord. And it doesn't have to be preaching. You know, Paul sat down there at the riverside and he just talked to these ladies. And Lydia, she believed that her heart was open and she responded to it. And I mean, look in the jail. They, they didn't really preach anything. They were just singing hymns. They were worshiping the Lord. This guy saw, man, there's something radically different here with these guys. And he's like, what do, what do I do to be saved? There are people all around us like these that the Lord wants to lead to himself. And listen, these might be the very people who will be the foundation of a new work of God in a place that desperately needs the gospel. See, that's the thing that I, we have to think about. I've thought about this so many times over the years of just my own life and ministry. I've thought of how many people, how many lives have been connected and impacted through that local church. You know, oftentimes I've done weddings and I've, I've stood there thinking, wow, you know, these people met here. And, you know, I know this guy came from this background and this, this girl came from this background and, you know, how in the world would they ever get together? But they did. And they got together right there, that congregation. And God touched their lives and then he brought them together. And then, you know, they get married and they have kids and their kids grow up and their kids go off and do amazing things. And you're like, wow, you just see this, the way God works. It's so fascinating to me. And so I wonder how many people in different places across the country and around the world are just like that guy that Paul initially saw in the vision that got him to go to Philippi. How many people are there around the world today who are crying out for someone to come and help them find the Lord and know the Lord? You know, and some of them don't even know that they're crying out for that. I mean, again, look at these people. Who was the man in the vision? Paul gets to Philippi. There's no man. There's women at the river. Was the man the the jailer? Well, if he was, he wasn't even saved until Paul got there. But I wonder how many people there are in places who are, are calling out. They don't even know that they're calling out. They don't even know what they're calling out for. But God knows what they're calling out for. And, and God wants to send somebody. And again, who would have ever imagined, as we look at it now, 2,000 years from the time that these things took place, and as we could turn a few pages in our Bible to the letter to the Philippians, 
Who would have ever imagined that this letter, like I said, that has impacted people for 2,000 years for good, who would have ever imagined that it would start with this handful of people, this unlikely group of people? You know, it, but, but this is the way God works. He's, he does this over and over and over again in history. And some of you know the history of the ministry here. Some of you don't know the details, but you know, it was in 1961 that there were just a handful of folks with a little church that decided they wanted to call themselves Calvary Chapel and they needed a pastor and some things happened and there they were in Costa Mesa and just, you know, here we are and we just want the Lord to do something with us. And four years later in 1965, they invited a man named Pastor Chuck Smith to come and be their pastor. And the rest is history. And who would have ever guessed that that would be the history? You know, I travel all around the world. And you know, people all around the world, they know that Costa Mesa is a place. <laughs> and you know why they know Costa Mesa is a place? Because of this place. They don't know it for any other reason. And think about it. I mean, who in the world, anywhere outside of Southern California, would even know Costa Mesa is a place? I mean, what is in... I live in Costa Mesa. I like Costa Mesa. But, you know, what is in Costa Mesa that's going to give it worldwide notoriety? Nothing. We don't have Disneyland. We don't have any kind of great museums or... You know, we, we don't have anything. We just got, you know, a few good Mexican restaurants. I mean, those, you know, those, those might be worthy, but... I've never met a person that said, man, I, Costa Mesa, I've heard of that. Is that, that where that Mexican restaurant is? Oh, is that where that cool coffee place is? I have actually heard that in some places. But God put this city, and of course, we're in Santa Ana, so Santa Ana too. But, you know, the Lord put this on the map. Who would have ever thought that from a place like Costa Mesa, all around the world, people would know about what God did? and what God is doing. So that to me, it's just so amazing. And again, it's still happening. And listen, like I said, some people don't even know that they're crying out, but others do. You know, we have a thousand requests for churches to be started. We have a database with 1,000 requests. Please come and start a church in our community. Please come. We'd love to have a Calvary Chapel ministry in our town. And that's across the U.S., and it's in all different places around the world. And so, guess what? God wants to save people. He saved us, and he wants to use us. And like Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, in some cases, he wants to send us somewhere and connect us with people whose lives are going to impact lives around them, whose, whose very assembling together will one day impact the community and maybe even on out to the world. So that's the way I think we need to look at this, this passage here. God is still working today. He's still wanting to do today the things that he's always been doing. And so let's realize that no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, and there's all kinds of diversity amongst us, but man, God, God's going to use that all as we just yield ourselves to Him.
the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. Have you ever found it difficult to receive, keep, and maintain grace? Without grace, there's constant condemnation, fear, and anxiety. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares how all believers can find victory in the battle against grace. Cheryl points out the enemies of grace, but she also explains how grace gives power, forgiveness, blessing, and how it will enable you to live the abundant life that Jesus promised. If you want to live a life in the freedom of the grace of God, this book provides practical instruction to help and equip you. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.